0: Good morning. How are we all doing? Good, good, good. I'm super excited about our message this morning. I feel like I've been preaching on God's wrath for like two years straight and this morning it is it is not that. It's awesome. It's the flip side to God's wrath. I'm super excited. So we are finishing our resurrection series this morning. So this morning we're going to talk about our resurrection who cannot get excited about our own resurrection. Is that not an awesome thing? So let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much, God, for what you have in store for us. Lord, your word says that we cannot even imagine what you have in store for us, God. We cannot, in our greatest imaginings, our deepest hopes, Father, we cannot out-imagine you, Father. We cannot out-hope you, Father, our imaginations fall so far short, God, of what you have in store for us, God. So I pray, Holy Spirit, as I've been asking you all morning, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to understand the full depth, the full height, the full width of what it means to be resurrected in you, Jesus. What the full depth of the ramifications of that, Lord. I fear that our, our minds, our flesh, our experience in this world will will conspire to hold us back, Lord, and conspire to limit our perception of really what you have in store for us, God. So give us faith this morning, Jesus. Holy Spirit, empower our faith muscle this morning that we would really believe your word. In your son's precious name, amen. All right, so we are going to be in Corinthians. Corinthians. We're going to continue the part of Corinthians that Robert started out on in terms of talking about Christ's resurrection. And really the whole argument that Paul's been making is hey, there's people in the church that are challenging whether or not there really is a resurrection. Because and, and particularly they're challenging it because, you know, what we don't understand that the first early church was going through is everybody expected that Christ was returning it, that it was imminent. And by the way, it is imminent. We've, I've talked about before that Christ's return is imminent. It can happen at any moment. It could have happened 999 years ago. It could happen right this very moment as I'm speaking. Christ's return is imminent, okay? There's nothing left in the, in the prophetic calendar to prevent Christ from returning, and that was true in the first century and second century of the early church. But what was creating a problem was believers were dying right? They were getting old and passing away, and Christ hadn't returned yet. What does that mean? Maybe we've missed it. Maybe there is no resurrection. Maybe Christ isn't going to return, right? This is what's going on in the Corinthian church, and this is what Paul's trying to address, and he's saying, look, if you don't believe that you're going to be resurrected, then understand this, then, then Christ didn't resurrect. If it's true that we're not going to be resurrected, then it's also true that Christ didn't resurrect, but we know that Christ resurrected Peter was an eyewitness of his resurrection. James and John were eyewitnesses of his resurrection. We know he resurrected. And because Jesus resurrected, and because Jesus said we would be resurrected, guess what? We're going to be resurrected, right? So don't fear, even though people pass away, all right? And Paul says, by the way, just a little as an aside, Paul says to be absent from the body is to be with the Lord, right? So in case there's any doubt, When you pass away, you're not going to go to sleep forever until the Lord returns, okay? You are going to be consciously present with the Lord with him in heaven, all right? Just to be really clear on that point, waiting for Jesus to return. And when Jesus does return, guess who he's bringing with him? He's bringing all those saints in heaven who have been waiting for that great day, that great moment. And at the same moment, those who are with Christ in heaven and those of us who are still alive, are what are going to be resurrected and we all will inherit this new body this resurrected body and when we talk about resurrection you know i think it's common one of the things that our challenge is in terms of really taking in the full depth the meaning of what it means to be resurrected is this feeling in the within the christian community that you know the body is itself an evil thing right And true, our body is broken, our body is fallen, our minds are broken, we don't think properly about things, our hearts are wicked, they're absolutely wicked, every motive we have is tainted and spoiled and bent and crooked, right? That's all true, but simultaneously, God's intent for us, what is God's intent for us when he put us in the garden and he gave Eve to Adam? And they were naked in the garden, and they knew each other. And God said what? God said, it is good. It is very good, right? All of what God intended for us and intended for us physically was good and a blessing. But it's our own selfishness, the lies of the enemy that made us grasp after kind of our own control over our own life and rebel against God that has bent all of that and warped all of that. But at some point, though, it's important to remember that, hey, this is the seed of something incredible. Amen? There's more, I think, hurdles that we need to look at, and that's where Paul starts in this, in this letter to the Corinthians. This is Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 35. Paul says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? It's a fair question, right? How? Okay, some might ask, well, how, how is it that we're going to be raised up from the dead, and, and what does that look like? What form will our body take? What is it? And I read that, and I think, that's you know, fair question, but notice Paul's response. He says, you foolish person. I'm like, whoa, It's kind of strong, Paul. I mean, it's a fair question, is it not? How is it that we're going to be raised? You know, what, how are we raised? What kind of body do we have? Isn't, that's a fair question. Why would Paul be so strong, you foolish person? Well, he's strong because of the context of what's going on, right? Because they're doubting that there is a resurrection at all. And they're even, and that even carries over to, well, the nature of Christ's resurrection. And I think this really addresses what is our hurdle this morning. I think the challenge that each of us face, even as we go through this and talk about this, is this life has taught us to be skeptical, right? This life has taught us to temper our expectations, right, that this world promises so much and delivers so little that we've kind of trained ourselves to kind of temper expectations and also even kind of doubt, well, could this really, this sounds so wonderful, so awesome, so incredible, can this really, can Paul really mean what he's saying here? Does Jesus really mean what he's saying when he's talking about our resurrection? How can, you know, can we really take that in and believe that? And of course, Paul's answer is, yeah, you can. But we need help, right? We need, we need the Lord, we need the Holy Spirit to help us and help us hope and imagine what is really true and actual, okay? So let's continue. You foolish person... But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. Okay, what is Paul saying here? What Paul's saying here is, look, don't just look at the kernel. Don't just look at who we are right now. You need to have a little imagination and understand that This is just the beginning. This is just the seed of what's about to become. Yes, there is continuity. There's a relationship between who you are and what you are right now and what you will become in the resurrection. You will still be the same person. You will still recognize me as John Bandman. But what I am right now is so different from what I will become in the resurrection. Who you are right now is so different from what you will become in the resurrection. You will still be you, and you will still remember all of us, and you will still have a relationship with us, and we'll still have all that. But it's just the kernel. It's, some, it's on a different level of glory than what the resurrection level would be. They're different. The key point here is it's different, okay? And because it's different, and because we have... Anybody seen a resurrected person walking down the street lately? right? We, none of us have that experience. So our challenge is how do we conceptualize that? How do we take that in? How do we really believe that? We don't really, we haven't experienced that firsthand. And Paul is challenging us. He challenged the Corinthians, and I think the challenge that the Holy Spirit has us for this morning is, look, you need to open up your imagination a little bit. You need to open up your heart to hoping in something that's not going to disappoint you, there's no expectation of the resurrection you can have that is going to result in any kind of disappointment. You can't overshoot it. You can't over hope on God in regards to resurrection. Okay? It is a whole other level that we don't even, we can't even quite fully imagine. All right? So that's your challenge this morning. You ready? You ready to imagine what this potentially could be? I love that song, I Can Only Imagine. In this case, it's not. That we can only imagine, it's that we must imagine. We must get this, people. This is critical. We must understand what is in store for us in order for us to live effective lives as believers, okay? Not to mention the fact that it's just an awesome thing to dwell on. If you're gonna think about anything, you know, Paul says, look, occupy your mind with what's good and pure and holy and glorious and awesome. This is a great place to occupy your mind, okay? So what does Paul say about this, this resurrected body, this whole other level of glory? I, I, you know The title of the sermon is Heavenly Super, or actually Superheroes. That's the title, Superheroes. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, ah, John, isn't superheroes kind of overstating it? Isn't that a little bit too over the top and fantastical? Think about our resurrected bodies as superhero bodies. And I started thinking about that, and I, and I thought, you know what? That's actually an understatement. You think about a superhero, every superhero has all these incredible powers, right? But every single one of them have some flaw, right? They have some character defect or some weakness. You know, Superman has his kryptonite. Batman has his dark, you know, pathology of you know, a trauma from his childhood. They all have some, some flaw. In our resurrected state, we are more than superheroes and we are flawless. We have no weakness. There's no kryptonite. There's nothing that can diminish us in any way, right? So let's see what Paul says. Verse 42. I love it. I'm just going to explode. I mean, this is good news, guys. I'm just saying this is good news. Verse 42. Amen. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is, is perishable meaning who you are right now, is perishable. But what is raised is imperishable. Let's just think about that for a second. Let's use our imagination for just one moment. When you inherit this resurrected body, it is never going to die. It is never going to wear out. It is never going to get aches and pains and, and fall apart. Okay? These glasses right here, gone forever, for all of eternity. These hearing aids, gone forever, for all of eternity, right? And never to diminish, never to go get a slight nearsightedness. It will be from glory to glory to glory, never, never, ever diminishing, forever, never perishing. What does that mean? That means we never have to say goodbye we never have to move away or lose a friendship or lose a relationship. will be—imagine what our calendars will be like. It's like, hey, Ralph, let's, uh, let's do tea or let's go—you know, let's go, let's go do a hike in the New Kingdom. How, can you put me down for like a thousand years from now? About that, I think I got an opening a thousand years, two months, and two hours from now. Let's, let's set it up, right? I mean, it's just the scope of our potential, the potentiality of that is beyond what we can imagine. But I think the Lord's saying to you, look, you need to imagine. As far as you can go with this, you need to go. This is one place where you just do not hold back on the Lord. The Lord has promised to give us more than we can ever hope for or imagine. And we need to go there because it has direct ramifications on how we live out this life and how we accomplish His purposes. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Anybody here want glory? Want to be glorious? Yeah? All right. Sister, go way back. All right. And do we not? Isn't there a part of us, especially in sort of the Christian culture and community, we kind of feel like, oh, wait a minute. No, it's not, it's not about my glory. It's about God's glory. And it is, okay? But God's glory spills over onto us. Remember Moses had to put a veil on after being with the Lord because God's glory would just shine off of Moses and everybody would be like, dude, tone that, you know, turn that down a little bit. I need to put my sunglasses on, right? That's the, that's the glory we're inheriting. And it's very physical, by the way. It's the glory of our resurrected bodies. We're going to have bodies that are sweet. I'm just telling you. Sweet bodies. I mean, remember? I mean, some of you don't have to remember very far, but some of us have to really kind of stretch our memory to remember what it was like when we were 17 years old, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's been a long time since 17. (laughs) But at the resurrected state, that resurrected body, the glory of that body will so outshine you at your very best, the very best year you had. For me, it would have been 17, the beginning of my senior year, just before school started during Hell Week, of water polo before we started school. That week, that's probably my pinnacle right there. That's where I peaked out, right? Because on that week, I would get up, first thing in the morning, we would swim a mile, And then we would do what we call the pyramid. We'd sprint 100 meters, then we'd kind of sprint 250 meters, then we would swim 500 meters, and then we'd do 1,000 meters, and then we'd work our way back down again. From 1,000 to 500, then to 250, and to 100. And by the way, they were timed. And the 100 sprints were timed. You had to keep going every two minutes. Okay, So that was our morning workout. And then right after, and then we would go home, carve up, come back, and then we would do weight training. We'd go run a mile, get in a pool, and we would do drills, deep water drills. We're basically in the deep water for an hour with our hands up in the air. And then go home, carb up, come back, and do scrimmage for two hours, and then go to bed. And then get up the next morning, start all over again. So that, that was my peak, but that peak right there compared to my glorified body, my resurrected body, is going to look like the 90-pound weakling that I've become, right? Amen? So, I mean, think about who you are at your very best and understand that 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 is just a sad, pitiful sight compared to your resurrected self. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. I think I've hit that, right? Describing it as a superhero is really an understatement. Okay? We're raised in power, we will be very powerful creatures. Think about an angel, how, how powerful is an angel? What happens any time an angel shows up in front of somebody, what's, what's the general response? Yeah, fear, trembling, face in the dirt, That's generally the response to seeing an angel. But Scripture says that we'll be like angels. In fact, we take a station that's even higher than angels after the resurrection. That's the kind of power that we're talking about. That's the kind of glory that we're talking about. Okay? So we are sown in weakness but will be raised in power. Our bodies are sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Okay, that doesn't mean that, okay, this world is physical, and then the resurrection, you're gonna be this amorphous, glowy cloud of jelly that is like spiritual, right? That's not what Paul's saying. What Paul's saying is we're born of this earth, we're of the dust. We depend on oxygen and water and carbohydrates and amino acids to keep us ticking, okay? As imperfectly as that is, that's who we are. We're born of this earth. The resurrected body will be born of heaven. We have a capacity that's not dependent on the biology of this world. Okay? Now, I don't know exactly what that means. I just know that after Jesus was resurrected, he would suddenly appear in a locked room to his disciples. And he would make it a point to say, hey, don't freak out, I'm not a ghost. Here, touch me. Feel me. I'm bone, I'm flesh. You can even see the wound still in my hands. Here, you want to stick your hand in my, my side to understand that I'm really resurrected? Here it is. Stick your hand in my side. So he that resurrected body is physical, it's present, it's there, it's a real body, okay? That takes physical space. That will be your resurrected body. But also, it's not dependent on this world in the way this body is. Jesus could just show up in a room spontaneously without going through the door, okay? Jesus would show up on the road to Emmaus and talk to the disciples, right? Jesus kept showing up here and there and everywhere. And then he ascended into heaven, and it was like this ascension into heaven. It has different capacities, is the main point. It's not bound to this world anymore. I often think, even in the context of this world, think of it this way in terms of sort of a metaphor. What you see, you see all the colors of the spectrum? Are you capable of seeing all, you know, RGB, red, green, blue, and all the Myriad, million mixes in between all those three colors. Most of us see most of that, right? Well, that's just this tiny little piece of the electromagnetic spectrum, right? So you have x-rays on one end, and you have microwaves on the other end, and in that spectrum, you have this tiny little window that we actually can see with our eyes. What capacities will we have in our resurrected body? Right now, our capacities are designed for this Earth and living this life on this earth. The capacities that we have in our resurrected body will be designed for living in the new earth, the new heavens, in the very presence of God. What happens when the presence of God shows up? Primarily, there's a lot of bright lights involved. Okay? It blinded Paul on his way to persecute the church. Paul was blinded by it. right? But our resurrected heavenly bodies will have the capacity to be in the presence of God and not be destroyed, okay, not be wiped out by that. In fact, we'll be able to sing hallelujah and praise his name because we'll have the capacity to stand in his presence. right? So that's a huge shift. It's not the same thing. The resurrected body is us, but it's not the same thing. It's a whole other level of who we will be. Paul goes on to say, Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, meaning Christ, became a life-giving spirit. So he's making that same parallel comparison. Adam, you know, this body is from Adam and it's of the dust. The new resurrected body will be of Christ and it will take on the properties and the capacities of Christ. By the way, don't hear me say that we're all becoming gods, okay? There's one God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We are not God, okay? But we are more than superheroes in the resurrection, flawless, okay, and we need to embrace that and understand that, that that is our destiny, that's what we're headed toward, and I just know it in your hearts, even now in this moment as I'm talking, I'm sure you're wrestling, I'm sure you're, yeah, John, but that's because you're preaching, and you're trying to make a point, and maybe you're being big, and loud, and verbose, but but really, Paul says, you know what, don't be foolish, Don't limit what God has for us because of your experience in a fallen, broken, bent world. Don't project this world onto what God has for us, okay? In this world, by the way, it's very wise. Scripture says, you know what? Be wise as serpents and innocent as stuff. It's very wise to doubt. It's very wise to, you know, test the waters. That's a wise thing in this world because this world's broken and bent. And you don't want to throw all of yourself into something that may turn out to not be entirely true or false or deceptive, right? So we hold ourselves back, and that's a good thing. That's a good way to deal with this world and test things until they prove to be honorable and trustworthy, right? Trust is earned, right? Not given, And that's how we should live in this world. But when it comes to the promise of God, the call of faith is to go all in. There's no testing this. Jesus said, this is, this is the reality. Just believe, you've got to believe it. And that takes practice. And so my challenge to you, even as we're talking and as you go through this week is, look, no, no, no. This is what Christ has promised me. Christ has promised me a resurrected body that will be absolutely painless, be filled with glorious light, and do nothing but grow in its ability to celebrate the glory of God, Right? That's what he's promised. Verse 47, the first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. As is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Paul's saying, look, forget your dust thinking and embrace the heaven thinking. You are of heaven. And when that's consummated on the last day and your body is resurrected, You are a heavenly creature with a physical body that has incredible capacity, brilliant capacity. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. We will have the character of Christ. We will be like, scripture says in a moment, we will be changed. We will be like him because we'll see him as he is. Our resurrected body that gives us that capacity to even see Him as He is. And in that moment, we are changed and we'll be like Him. Again, we're not God. We're not Him, but we're like Him. We bear His glory. We reflect His glory and His majesty. And the heavenly throne room with all the angels singing hallelujah and all the sanctified believers worshiping God is a glorious picture. It's a picture that God painted, and we need to. Step into that place that God has given for us to step into and not diminish it. Not say, no, no, Lord, I'm, I'm, just, I mean, I'm just a wicked, evil flesh. Jesus says, yes, you are, but I died for that. I've redeemed you. Now step into this place and understand your destiny. Your destiny is to be more than a superhero. Your destiny is to be a glorious, worshiping child of mine. That's your destiny. So just put away all that world thinking, all that worldly thinking. It's funny. We always think of worldly thinking as like thinking too much of ourselves, but it works just the opposite way. Sometimes worldly thinking can be thinking too little of what God has for us and what God has said we are. Okay? Are you with me? How are we doing? Okay? Okay. I'm going to read a little bit more, and then we're going to wrap this up. Verse 50 I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Okay, a couple things here. First thing is, this tells us the when. Paul's answering the question, well, when will this happen? And the answer is, it's going to happen at the last trumpet. And I'm going to talk about what that trumpet means. But before I go to the last trumpet, there's a little point here that can cause some confusion. So I just want to address it. He says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. What's he mean by that? Okay, Paul uses sleep as a euphemism for death, right? It's a metaphor for death. So Paul says, we will not all die, but we shall all be changed. So again, put yourself in the context of the first Corinthians in the first century and understand that they're like, okay, Jesus is returning right right now, but then people are starting to pass away. What does that mean? And what Paul's saying is, look, some of us are going to be alive when Jesus returns. We shall not all sleep. Some of us will still be alive when Jesus returns and we'll go directly from this body directly into the resurrected body. That's for some of us but that only applies to those who are still alive when Jesus returns. For those who have died and gone to be with the Lord, they are immediately with the Lord in heaven. Remember Jesus, what did Jesus say to the thief on the cross? You'll Be with me. I tell you, this very day, this day you will be with me in heaven. So the moment we pass away, we are with Jesus in heaven, and there's all kinds of mystery about, well, what does that look like? And you can look at a number of passages. In Revelation, it talks about the saints being under the altar and saying to Jesus, Jesus, how long, how long before you exercise judgment? By the way, these are martyrs, right? And so they're saying, Jesus, how long before you finally exercise judgment on this sinful, broken world? And Jesus' response is, you know what? Be patient. Rest a little longer And then symbolically, it says it gives them all white robes, which is a symbolic way of saying, look, you are fully restored. You are perfectly righteous now, okay? So the moment you go to be with the Lord in heaven, you are perfectly righteous. You don't need to worry about sin anymore. You don't need to ever worry about having a bad thought or a wrong thought. You are with Christ in heaven, and you're given a white robe of righteousness symbolically, meaning you are fully righteous. And you are patiently resting and waiting for the return of Christ. Why? Because at the return of Christ, two things happen. The world is judged, and people who have rejected him are judged ultimately. And all those who have put their faith in him, their body is resurrected. That's when we have our resurrected body, at Jesus' return. Because what does it say here in verse 52? In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet... For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Okay, last trumpet is code, is an important type in all of Scripture to signify God's last judgment, God's return, Jesus' return. It's always associated with, when God judges, trumpet is always associated with God's judgment. And as God judges kind of throughout history, there's these references to trumpet. Remember when the children of Israel first came into the promised land and they were going to take Jericho? What did they do? They marched around the city for all week long blowing trumpets, right? Which is a signal to Jericho, time's up. You're about to face the wrath of God, right? But the last trumpet is God's final and last judgment. And that's when Jesus returns. We have God's final judgment. And for Believers, we are all resurrected and have our resurrected body. That makes sense? I know that's a little bit complicated, but it's like, die now, go to heaven, be with Christ. When Jesus returns, they'll blow the trumpet and we'll be with Jesus returning to this earth and our resurrected body will be created and we'll dwell that body all simultaneously with those who are alive on the earth will also be resurrected as well into their new body. Make sense? So that's what Paul's addressing here. And if you have questions about that, please grab me. There's a bunch of other verses I could share, but I don't have time for that. But if you have questions about that, because there's a lot of kind of misguided teaching around this, so please feel free to talk to me about it. Verse 53, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? Mm. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the ultimate victory. Our resurrection is the big, final, ultimate victory. Right? It's the crowning moment it's the peak in the story of humanity. It's the climax of God's story in creating us. It climaxes on our resurrection. Isn't that interesting, by the way? I mean, Easter is all about the resurrection of Christ, as well it should be. And Christ's resurrection is preeminent, as well it should be. But the pinnacle of the whole story of Christ's redemption of us is at, at his return, and it involves our own resurrection, that's a big deal. Right? That's important. And it's important for us to understand, you know, who we will be and what our destiny is in Christ. Which is what? Which is that we will be resurrected imperishable, glorious, powerful, spiritual, heavenly and like Jesus. That's how we'll be resurrected. That's what we'll look like. That is our future. So what do we do with that? All right, Tomorrow we've got to go back to our cubicle or our garage or our office or workroom or whatever it is we're doing, and it's like, wait a second, I'm a superhero, what am I doing here in this little cubicle? <laughs> right? But that's precisely the point. That is exactly the point. What does Paul say in verse 58? Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing... Knowing what? That in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This is the point. This is the application. The application is, look, as you become more and more aware and convinced by faith of your own resurrection, and the fact that you are destined for being the most incredible superhero that hasn't ever been written about yet, that's your destiny. That's going to change the way you go into the office tomorrow morning, is it not? And by the way, it's not you who's created the resurrection. So it doesn't mean you're going into the office tomorrow all like full of yourself because how awesome you are. You're going into the office tomorrow morning because of how awesome Jesus is and that he would share that with you and that he would build that into you and that he would grow that, create that reality for you, right? So what is it that you do? How do you serve this church? How do you, what do you work at? What is your passion in life? Think about how much that passion, that work, what you do in your life changes in light of this expectation. If you lead worship, you got to lead worship with the reality that you are a superhero worship leader. That one day you are going to sing with myriads and myriads of angels in God's holy choir worshiping in great glory. And you yourself will be a glorious agent of that. Right? If you teach, one, the reality is, is you are going to be able to perceive all things, have all knowledge, be able to instruct and understand someone who's, who doesn't get it. Right? What is it that you do? What's your life about? How does it change when you think about what you are destined to become? Not what you hope to become, not what you may become at some point, but what you will be. As sure as I'm standing here right now, you will be this person if you have put your hope and faith in Christ. How does that change whether or not you're putting signs out in front of the church? How does that change whether or not you're serving your wife or serving your husband to empower them? How does that change the way you're studying and your schoolwork? You will be that person. That's the destiny we have in Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for what you've called us to, God. Lord, I confess to you, Father, that this world can so muddy the waters, Lord. This world trains us to diminish our hope, God, to temper our expectations, Father. But you have made a promise to us, God, and with you, it is yes and yes. There is never no, Father, when it comes to what you have promised us. And what you have promised us is a resurrected body that is pure, that is holy, that is glorious, that is powerful, that is spiritual, that is heavenly, that will never fade, never die, imperishable. That is what you've promised us, God, and that is exactly what we're going to receive. Father, whether we believe it or not, that's what we're going to receive. Help us to believe it, God. Help us in our unbelief, God, that we might work and live and share and love and die knowing that reality, Jesus. In your son's name, amen.